Hey, Job. Hey, Gun. So, uh, I've been listening to an album lately. Uh, an old album. Old as hell. Uh, Who is it by? <clears throat> Genesis. Oh, God. Now, uh, this Genesis. is... Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> the Genesis show. <laughs> uh, so, this, this album, if you have never heard about it, I'll just give a, a brief, uh, overview of what, what it is. And, uh... It's The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway by Genesis, which is a concept double album. Uh, I've never actually heard of this album. I really, really, really like this album. It's my favorite Genesis album. It's the last one they had with Peter Gabriel as the lead of Genesis before Phil Collins took over, before the band was all, like, fighting. Uh, (laughs) um, This led to them fight, I think, because Peter Gabriel uh, took over complete writing duties on this album uh, for, like the lyrics i i mean okay uh, and, and i don't know it, uh, long story short i don't want to talk about the actual album i want to talk about the story of the album okay <laughs> because like just briefly because uh, much like um other concept albums like you know just for example like pink floyd's the wall and this is very similar to a floyd album in a lot of ways actually uh conceptually and lyrically it works, but when you sit down and it's just like if someone had to like give you the cliff notes of like what happens in the wall, it's fucking nonsense. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a kind of a similar feeling to like if you're not a Pink Floyd fan and you watch the wall movie, you're just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want to read for you. Uh, This is on Wikipedia. I'll read you an amended version of it because this has, like, references to, like, this represents this song and this represents this song. I'm going to skip those and just read the plot summary on Wikipedia of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Okay, let's go. Because it is quite a treat. Oh, God. For the uninitiated, which I assume is a lot of you. And also Justin. Yeah, definitely me because I I already listened to Genesis. (laughs) I swear to God, this is a good album. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) All right. One morning in New York City, Rail... Our our protagonist's name, Rail... No, never mind. It's already fucking stupid. R-A-E-L. Oh, no, even worse. Okay. uh, ...is holding a can of spray paint, hating everyone around him. (laughs) As you do. I'm mad. Isn't there holding a can? (laughs) Fuck you, Dad. (laughs) He witnesses a lamb lying down on Broadway. <laughs> oh, literally? That's not like a figurative... Okay. I think it's figurative, but like Wikipedia probably took some liberties. It's part of why this is funny. Which has a profound effect on him. As he walks along the street, he sees a dark cloud take the shape of a movie screen and slowly move towards him, finally absorbing him. What the fuck? Okay. Seeing an explosion of images of the current day. Before he wakes up in a cave and falls asleep once again, Rail wakes up and finds himself trapped in a cage of stalactites and stalagmites, which slowly <laughs> close in towards him. <laughs> As he tries to escape, he sees his brother John and calls for him, but John walks away and the cage suddenly disappears. <laughs> Rail now finds himself on the floor of a factory and is given a tour of the area by a woman where he watches people being processed like packages. Oh, what a, what a great... 
What a great original allegory, you know? It was 1974. All it right. wasn't. It was not original by that time. It, probably. Anyway, he spots old members of his New York City gang and John with the number nine stamped on his forehead. Anyway, fearing for his life, Rail escapes into a corridor and has an extended flashback of returning from a gang raid in New York City, a dream where his hairy heart is removed and shaved with a razor, and his first sexual encounter. Go on. <laughs> Chusby's face is so good. Uh, Rail's flashback ends, and he finds himself in a long, red, carpeted corridor of people crawling towards its exit via a spiral staircase. At the top, he enters a chamber with 32 doors, surrounded by people and unable to concentrate. He finds a woman who leads him out of the chamber and into another cave where he becomes trapped by falling rocks. What the fuck? <laughs> Again. <laughs> no wonder this kid hates everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting trapped in caves, man. Fuck! Rail encounters death and escapes the cave. Apparently that's all that happens. No, no need to expand upon that. Guy shows up. Boo, I'm death! He's like, alright, bye, dude. <laughs> I'm the Grim Reaper. Bye, dude. Later. Bye. Rail ends up in a pool with three Lamia, beautiful snake-like creatures. And has sex with them. <laughs> but they die after drinking some of his blood. What? He leaves and finds himself... Just me, we ain't even got to the good shit. Are yet. you fucking kidding me? He this leaves the good shit. and finds himself in a group of slipper men. <laughs> Distorted, grotesque men who have all had the same experience with the Lamias. And finds that he has become one of them. Rail finds John among the slipper men, who reveals that the only way to become human again is to visit Dr. Diaper, spelled D-O-K-T-O-R-D-Y-P-E-R. -E that, that doesn't save that. And be castrated. <laughs> what the fuck? Both are castrated and keep their removed penises in containers around their necks. What? <laughs> Rail's container is taken by a raven, and he chases after it. I, I, I picture this in my head like in Super Mario 64 when the bird takes your hat. Uh, the bird takes your hat, except here it takes your foreskin. Uh, leaving fuck? John behind, the raven drops the container in a ravine and into a rushing underground river, bringing new life to the phrase... I'm going to rip my dick off and throw it in the river. <laughs> As Rail walks alongside it, he sees a window in the bank above his head, which reveals his home amidst the streets. But as the skylight beckons him to leave, he, at the same time, sees John in the river far below, struggling to stay afloat. Rail has to make a decision between either going to rescue his brother or take his perhaps only chance to return to his former life in New York. Despite being deserted twice by John, Rail dives in to save him. The gateway to New York vanishes. Rail rescues John and drags his body to the bank of the river and turns him over to look at his face, only to see his own face instead! 
His oh consciousness then drifts between both bodies, and he sees the surrounding scenery melting away into a haze. Both bodies dissolve, and Rail's spirit becomes one with everything around him. But he still doesn't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's the whole thing? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I went on, you know, like... A journey, mm-hmm. not an important journey. <laughs> no, not a not a not a journey that makes any real fucking sense. But you know what? I went on an adventure today. Well, I mean, I think it's it speaks to a lot of concept albums. Like if I sat here and described what happens in Tommy to you, I'd also sound like a madman. You know what I mean? It's sort of like this kid is blind, deaf, and dumb, but he's really good pinball. Anyway. He gets molested. Like, that's, that's it would sound retar- stupid. I, I don't know. My point is, check out this album. A guy gets his penis castrated and has to wear it around his neck. It's a great experience. Can I rename this album A Eunuch's Journey? <laughs> My dick lies down on Broadway. <laughs> a Eunuch's Odyssey by Genesis. Oh, yeah. And then Phil Collins came in. He's like, we're just going to... We're just going to do songs about how I can't dance, dude. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck everybody everybody else in the band's like, oh, thank fucking Jesus. everybody welcome to the gen show and the job show together wow what a, the best for the first top time 10 anime crossovers for the first time ever the gen show and the job show have become one that's gen hi i'm, I'm job he's job that's true i am very in fact <clears throat> job yeah I, I believe so yeah anyway if you're still with us after hearing about genesis <laughs> bless your heart you're stronger yeah. than i am seriously uh so let's talk about things that aren't insane, but possibly are. Uh, what, what what we got going on this week, Jubbo? Well, as far as playing shit, uh, I haven't done much new. Well, I've been playing a lot of Tetris 99. Right. And a lot, a lot. Tetris Battle Royale. What a fucking meme. Yeah, I'd, so some for some context, I'm a big Tetris fan. The reason why I'm a big Tetris fan is in my early days of college, I read a study that you can use it to correct a lazy eye, and I had a very bad lazy eye growing up. And okay. uh, I played Tetris about eight time, like eight rounds of Tetris a day for about a year. Oh. And it corrected my lazy eye. That's cool. Now, it still comes back in, like, situations where, like, I space out, and, like, I have a thing in my glasses to help with it as well. But but before I was doing that, I was still... It was still happening. Uh... It, it made it a little... Made it so much more, yeah, like... I got you. Bearable? Sure. Because, like, it's not that I don't notice it when my when my eye would go lazy. Like, I'd notice it and it would suck. And, uh, so that helped fix it. So I it, I fell in love with Tetris, you know, throughout that. Because Tetris is an immaculate, beautiful puzzle game. Probably the most perfect game ever created. Yeah, it's so simple that, like, anyone can pick it up, including your grandma. Yeah, it's just... it's uh, yeah, I think probably it's... play it 
and probably just like at least understand what's happening. Right. Uh, I, I literally believe that Tetris is the perfect video game. So, when it gets a Battle Royale version, I'm assuming you freak out. I was hype as shit. This so, got announced during for, the Nintendo yeah. Direct last week. Yeah, Yeah. so for some context, I uh, I like Battle Royale games. I mean, we talked about this before when I talked about Apex Legends. Apex! So, when Tetris 99 got announced, I got hype as shit. I was like, fuck yeah, we're in. Let's <coughs> do this. So, I went and booted it up and gave it a try. Instantly fell in love. It is... Definitely my second favorite Battle Royale game. Apex number one? Yeah, for Weird sure. Weird that they got released for free. A week from right each other. to each other. Right. Yeah. yeah, just a week apart. But uh, I like Tetris for different reasons, because it it's technically... While it's technically a Battle Royale game, it doesn't share as many features of a Battle Royale that many others do, because it's a puzzle game. It has to be different. You uh, The concept of it, if people who don't know, I'm sure most of you do, you have your own Tetris board, and you play it, right? But there's 98 other players around you. Yep. And it kind of displays what's going on with all their boards all around your board. And when they complete rows, it fires bad blocks, the gray damage blocks, back at either somebody random, because you could choose where you fire them. Oh. You either do it at a random player, uh, KOs, which is just... You know, an attempt to, to take somebody out of the game, somebody who's already struggling. You okay. hit them with more and take them out of the game. Okay. Um, you have uh, badges, which just means it gives you, like, there's, like, reward badges in the game you get for doing certain things. It'll help you target to get that. Or you can go for uh, attackers, which just throws blocks back at people who are sending blocks at you. Everybody starts the game off at random. So what can happen sometimes is that uh, there's, like, ten people pointed at you at the start of a game. And if they don't switch off, you're fucked. <laughs> There's not much you could do. It's like complete shit, you'll just get bombarded and lose. And that just happens sometimes. But if you're smart, you can consistently make probably like the like at least top 50 every game. If you're good at Tetris. Okay. Uh, I've won one game. I'm bad at Tetris. I'm sure I'm going to be like the 99th person. I mean, all you have to do is just play it. Yeah, I, I will. It's exclusive to Switch, which is interesting. Right. And uh, it is the, uh, now it is solidified the only thing that has made Switch Online worth it to me so far. <laughs> because it, it's it's only free for people who have Nintendo Switch Online, which makes sense. It's an online-only game. How is the online connectivity for it? Fine. That's good. I haven't experienced a single issue. That's interesting when, like, Smash is, like... Fucked? Fucked. Now, it... It's Smash a little easier online to... wor works in a different way, I assume. Yeah, it's easier to code online stuff for that kind of game. Yeah, it's just interesting that this works flaw it, flawlessly, and then that is something that people complain about a lot. Right. Smash has always had online issues since Brawl, and they've had trouble fixing it. I'm not sure why, honestly. Because Nintendo. Because the thing is, like, fighting games have found out how to make good netcode a long time ago. Yeah, but Nintendo was always doing their own thing. The The difference with this is that it's not Nintendo. It is a Switch-exclusive game, but it's whoever made the Tetris game. Uh, I, I don't know who is credited for the development. I think it's just Tetris Corp, but there's got to be somebody else who made it. Tetris Corp doesn't Someone actually make many Tetris games. probably more up to code, if you will. For Nintendo, online playing. Yeah, because yeah. Nintendo likes to do their own shit in-house. But then again, it depends on who, because, titles. like, for example, Splatoon 2 has excellent online. Yeah, it probably I, depends I on the team very, and everything. I very rarely have issues with I'm assuming Splatoon. more people try to play Smash, though. 
Oh, and infinitely more. Yeah. There's always somebody playing Smash Online. It's such a popular game. Not that Splatoon's not. But. It's more niche. It's definitely more niche. Like, there's probably about half the player base in Splatoon 2 as there is Smash. Makes sense. Uh, especially now that the game's older. And that team has moved on. There's no big new content coming to Splatoon 2 because, I don't know if you know this, the Splatoon team is the Animal Crossing team. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they're going to work on Animal Crossing. Oh, fuck. So that's why there hasn't been any Splatoon updates. Do a crossover. I'm sure there will be Splatoon-related stuff. Do a crossover. I don't think we've had an Animal Crossing game proper since Splatoon came out, if I remember correctly. New Leaf came out. Yeah. There was, like... The Wii U one where you're making houses. Or I don't. Shit. That's not the same team making that. I, I don't think so. Maybe it is because that was really just like kind of like an expansion to New Leaf, where it uses all the same assets, all the same characters and stuff, but you just do different shit. I don't know how different the graphics are from Animal Crossing to Animal Crossing, anyway. Uh, actually, pretty substantial. Okay. Because you're going. For, do you think about it? There's only one Animal Crossing per generation. Um, if that, yeah, so... Yeah, well, the Wii U is completely skipped, and I don't blame anybody. Well, this is the Wii U generation, for all intents and purposes, still. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the same... It just changed into the Switch, but they realized they fucked up. But, and now every single game from the Wii U is basically on the Switch anyway, so... All the good ones now, uh, especially with Mario Maker getting a new update here. We have Smash. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Uh, Star Fox Zero, which no one's asking for. No, nobody's asking for That's Star Fox Zero. That's the only major first-party thing that I can think of. Uh, Pikmin. Pikmin 3? Yeah, just a Pikmin game in general. Pikmin They'll 4... They'll release either Pikmin 4 or a Pikmin well, Trilogy. we know that uh, Pikmin 4 is being worked on. Yeah. So that'll happen in the future. Uh... But yeah, for now, that's the, I think that besides Star Fox and Pikmin are the only major franchises that aren't on the Switch now. Of, so, of the ones that got released for the Wii U. Right. Yeah. So they've got that nailed down. Animal Crossing is coming. You have you have Mario Maker coming. Pikmin's coming eventually. Metroid's coming eventually. Like, we're getting the full flesh out here. I don't know if we get another Star Fox game for a long time, because usually that's what happens when the Star Fox game that nobody likes comes out. I, I guess. There's this stuff with uh, whatever the hell, that Starlink that's going on right now. It's like that's like a crossover thing. It's not like a proper Star Fox. Yeah, I know, game. but that's that's what they're doing with the character now. You know, at least they're doing something with them. Right. Meanwhile, F Zero fans are like, Yeah. Well, I mean, y'all should have bought F Zero GX when it came out in the GameCube. The reason why nobody wants to make an F Zero game is because GX didn't sell. Yeah, that's that's part of it. Well, I love that fucking game. We'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out. I'm uh, oh god, I I bumped my mic. I apologize, audience. Oh, oh god. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but anyway. Hey, uh, speaking of Nintendo, <laughs> let's talk about uh, this, which I think is a cool, interesting rumor to clarify. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, go uh, ahead. There's a, a rumor that Nintendo is going to resurrect a confirmed dead game for the Switch. That rumor came out, and then on the tail of it, the direct rumor about what that game probably is came out, and that game is Scalebound. Yeah, that's interesting. So, here's here's what corroborates this, at least as far as we know. We know that Platinum Games has three titles in development for Switch. We know one of them is Bayonetta 3. And we know the other one is, uh... I forget what it's called. It's coming out. It looks cool as fuck. It's something chain. Yeah, that game looks cool as shit, by the way. Cop Stands. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, but I'm very excited for that one. But so we have a we have an unknown third game in development for the Switch from Platinum. Um, 
We know that Microsoft has, has ditched Scalebound completely. We know that Nintendo uh, wants to resurrect a dead game and put it on the Switch. They have done that, as according to the rumor. So a lot of signs point to Scalebound. And um, we know that Platinum wasn't ready to ditch that project. Microsoft was. Yeah, it's kind of weird to me that they were. Apparently, it, would have, it was really tumultuous. So They had a bad relationship with them. Yeah. I Whereas think Platinum has an excellent relationship with the Nintendo, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, we'll see what they gave, we'll go what they gave them. Yeah. Like, look what Platinum has given Nintendo. Bayonetta is... Bayonetta 2 is probably the my favorite action game ever created. I'm wondering why it... it, it I don't know. It seems like it's mismanaged on Microsoft's part. I think they're going to get together now. I, that, that's I think that, that's a relic. Scalebound is a relic of Microsoft's past, and yeah. uh, I think uh, it's good that they got it out. Honestly, they're they're trying to, to completely shed their shell and become a new company. Maybe and that'll fully come to fruition when the new Xbox comes out. Yeah, I think the Xbox One is mostly just a dud, and they're just going to have to live with that. And yeah, they work are on something good next time. You see what they're doing when they're acquiring all these studios, or making all these moves, and these studios they're acquiring, by the way, aren't specifically making content exclusive to Xbox. Yeah, even uh, even after they re- acquire Ninja Theory, uh, you still have uh, Sinuous Sacrifice coming to the Switch. Yeah, but Nintendo and Microsoft have a good relationship right now, which also points to why it would be like more positive. It's for Scalebound. more likely that Scalebound comes to the Switch than like the PlayStation, for example. Right. Uh, if anything. If, it, if, if this is, you know... Because when I hear resurrected game, I think not scale-bound as far as my hopes are concerned. I think F-Zero, but... <laughs> well, no. <laughs> That's just wishful thinking. It has to be thinking. a game that was announced, had trailers, and then was canceled. I think, per the rumor. Because it was an announced and then totally dead. No one has any reason to believe it's a live game. Scalebound fits that criteria better than anything else. Oh, I can't fully. really think of much else that would fit it besides, like, insane theories. Yeah, I'm not willing to go that far. Scalebound <laughs> makes the most sense to me. Half-Life 3. Speaking of Nintendo rumors, uh, there's also rumor going around that Witcher 3 is going to come out on Switch. Can it? I don't know. And I if it does, it if it does, I think it's going to be so, like, horribly downgraded that you're going to lose a lot of the experience playing it on the Switch. And that's kind of what I'm worried yeah. about. I'm worried about that, too, because, like, there's a lot of shit that it just can't do. Yeah, I absolutely love the Switch. It's probably... Unless they have some kind of, like, <laughs> expansion pack <laughs> strategy. It cannot run games that are on PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely adore the Switch. I think it's my favorite console since the GameCube. Uh, it's just... It's just so good. It's so versatile. It has so many good games on it already. And remember, we're only three years into its life. Yeah. We're on year three or four now, technically. Yeah, but it it's already has that problem that the last several Nintendo consoles have had where they're kind of a step behind in terms of everybody else. You have to... In terms of other big games that are coming out. Now, Nintendo kind of just does their own thing. Yeah, I think they've accepted... Nintendo has accepted their fate as the secondary console, and I think they've handled it well. Do you think about the concept of what the Switch is? Well, combining handheld and console. Right. Well, the concept of what the Switch is works so well as a supplementary console to one of the bigger consoles that you already own. Think about the timeline of the Switch coming out. Think about its functionality. I think it makes perfect sense that Nintendo's accepted their fate that, like, most people, most gamers are going to have 
either an Xbox or a PlayStation and our system. So what can we do to diversify it? And they came out swinging with that shit and it worked so well. I mean, they already have their absolutely stellar line of exclusives to help them along with that. But also, now they've also captured this gigantic indie scene. And you're seeing games yeah. on there. Like, for example, like the new Hollow Knight uh, Silk Song that's coming out, which I'm super hyped for, by the way. I fucking love Hollow Knight. Is that really basically like Hollow Knight 2? It is a sequel, yes. Okay. But you're playing as uh, a, the uh, other main character in the game. Luigi. Her name's Hornet. Okay. Bowsette. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, and that's coming to Switch first. They noticed how well Hollow Knight did on the Switch compared to literally everything else because it got ignored for a year. That's what everybody uh, else is seeing. I mean, yeah, on PC, like, yeah, because it only, it only came out on PC at first for an entire year. And then, and you have to realize that Team Cherry is a team of three people. The people that make Hollow Knight. But three people made that game. Yeah. So it takes a long time for them to do shit. <laughs> and so it took them a long time to port it to Switch. I'm sure there were other difficulties along the way. But they got it taken care of. They ported it to Switch and then later ported it to PS4 and Xbox One. I think it was also on Xbox One. I forget. It might have just been PS4. But it, it obviously didn't sell anywhere near as well on any of those other platforms besides Switch. And Switch even did better than PC as far as I know. Right. And everybody, every indie developer is seeing that. People like buying games on their Switch. It's because of the prospect of taking console quality on the go. That's what it is. I buy games on my Switch that are on both PlayStation and Switch, specifically so I could take it with me. Yeah, it's a more comfortable place for them to be in than, like, the like the Wii generation, for example, where, like, just straight up they just couldn't play the games. Right. So they had to have those, like, weird, like, here's the Wii version of Black Ops. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different game. Oops. Now, that exists there, but, like, I think every, most devs have wisened up to not do that. Yeah. Besides, you know, like, EA. Well, they still did in that generation because the Wii was still a high-selling console. So they It was the best-selling well. console that generation. Over Xbox? Yes. Wow. Yeah, the Wii was by far... The Wii is, I, th- I think, still the second best-selling console of all time, right behind the PS2. Okay, I gotcha. And, uh... Yeah, yeah, that was far and away the best-selling console. And then there's a many reasons why that happened. Uh, it was cheaper. Uh, it was it was a Netflix box and a DVD player at a time where that stuff was harder to obtain. Right. Instead of now where you could just buy, like, a Roku for $30 and have that, besides the DVD player part. But mm. a lot of people bought Wii's just to, like, watch Netflix. Yeah, it was like nice and their, easy. their families would play with Wii Sports for one day. And then it would become their Netflix box. <laughs> well. And that's why you saw, like, a software attachment on the Wii was nowhere near as high as compared to something like the Switch. Because Nintendo redirected their approach after that and decided, okay, we're going to go hard in on the games and literally nothing else. They still don't have Netflix. Yeah, weird. They have Hulu. <laughs> not Netflix. Strange. And YouTube now, finally. I, I, yeah. See, I, I like the fact that I, those things are on my Switch because I don't have a tablet. Of my own, so I, I have a tablet stand case for my Switch, and so when I want to watch stuff, I, I could just do it on my Switch and stand it up off the tablet, and it works just like a tablet. Yeah, that's cool. I would like to be able to do that. I wish they put Netflix on there. That'd be cool. It'll come eventually, I think. I, I, I with the other those other two platforms on there, I think it would be unwise. It's impossible for it to not. Anyway, Nintendo. What other uh, news things happen? 
Oh, you had, uh, Anthem. Yeah, I agree, Zans. Uh, I don't know if you could hear the dog, sorry. <laughs> yeah, My Anthem is a game. Uh, it got reviews. Not all of them are good. I don't know what its Metacritic is at right now. Uh, I'll uh, check real quick, but mainly what I wanted to talk about with Anthem is, uh, something interesting that one Jason Schreier from Kotaku, uh, mentioned. Yeah. Earlier today. That... Oh, I think I saw this. Yeah, yeah way back last year... At E3, I think it was, when they announced Anthem and, like, give it the full reveal and everything. Uh, it got pushed shortly after that. And uh, it was originally slated for a fall 2018 release. Got pushed back to the release date it is now, which is late February. The... When they were... When the, their president was asked why... He responded that there's no problems with the game, and development is going just fine. Is that they were getting it out of the way from themselves because I was around when Battlefield Five was coming out. Fast forward to uh, January, the demo comes out, and under everybody's understanding, it is a earlier build of the game, but you titled it as a demo. It launches. It runs like shit. Why you always lying? It runs like shit. It's boring. Uh, there's nothing really of any substance to do. The game doesn't feel good. And all its defenders touted up as just, it's, you know, it's just an early build of the game. And, but it's called a demo. And that gets everybody concerned. Right. So the reality of the situation here is that you have a game that was pushed. And they didn't really fix any of those problems? I mean, no, they tried to. It's just Meaning, that they've, they've never been given enough time this whole time. It could have been even worse. Right, if it, if it came uh, out in fall. <laughs> so, but it, it doesn't look good because here's the version that you release and here's the version that's getting reviewed. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, fast forward to... a massive day one patch. Yeah, yeah, fa yeah for fast forward to work. For net, yeah, to now, EA Access. It launches for EA Access, which gets the game a week early. The, the game doesn't officially come out till Friday, right? Yeah, its release schedule is fucking insane. Right. It's like a different day for every fucking console. So EA Access gets, gets is able to play it starting last week, I think. And uh, there are literal game-breaking bugs all over the place in that game. Not too many places. Not everybody has has had issues, but they're there. And in order to mitigate that, they have to uh, put out a day one patch. Um, EA Access does not get that day one patch. That day one patch hits on day one. So everybody else who has it through EA Access, uh, who has experienced game breaking bugs, are just stuck. Well, that sucks. Lol. And that's it. It's, it's fucked up. Um, EA has a very evident history of not letting their devs finish their fucking games. And as much as they can claim or that they're not... them beforehand. Right. And as before much as they, they're even released. Yeah. As much as they try to admit that they don't do that, it's so evident mm -hmm. that you can't deny it. But keep, keep trying to deny it, you, you suit-wearing, FIFA-loving bastard. I forget your name, and that's because I also don't care about you. Get wrecked. And that's where Anthem's at right now. Oh, yeah, let me look up the Metacritic score real quick. I'm also curious where it's at. I bet it's, it's slightly positive. I, it's got to be positive. Apparently then, the game's still good. But then tell me that I use a score, because that's always a spicy one. Oh, it's always low. Yeah. I don't look at user scores. 
No, me either, because users can be extremely biased. You know, for example, people are review bombing uh, Captain Marvel right now. Because it has woman in it, I guess. So, yeah, fuck user scores sometimes. People can get a stick up their ass and go out and do a mission for whatever reason. Just tell me if the game good or not. Don't fucking be a dick. So on PC, it's got a rating, not on PS4 or Xbox One yet. It's not technically out yet, right? Right. Is a PC. Uh, on PC, it's sitting at a 70 right now. I mean, I doubt that's what they wanted, and I doubt it's selling as well as they want it to either. Yeah, I, I, would, I could see that very easily. Why take a giant risk on that game when Apex Legends is out either? Well, that's the thing. Uh... Like, think about the uh, rhetoric... I mean, and I don't think it's realistically went away, but think about how much worse the rhetoric around EA would be if Apex Legends didn't come out. Now, I'm not very in that true. boat. So we know Respawn, a very talented developer, proven themselves two times already. None of you fucking played it. Fuck you. And they released Apex Legends, which has been a massive hit, and we know that wasn't EA's doing. That was all, that was all, that was all, you know, it Respawn. It sort of was in terms of it not being Titanfall 3. And in terms of it being a battle royale game, apparently that was sure. a decision that they made themselves. Really, according to the lead designer, they yeah, said we sounds, wanted to make uh, a battle royale game. That sounds a lot like an EA decision, but hey, if that was on them, that's cool. If that's what they wanted to do, and EA let them do it, that's actually cool. Well, here's why I think that happened, and that's some kind of talked loosely about last week. This is this is a purely multiplayer game. And uh, Respawn has two teams, like most FPS developers do, that have a single-player multiplayer in their games. Uh, so they had a single-player team that did Titanfall 2, and a multiplayer team that did Titanfall 2. Now, you have that Star Wars game, Jedi Fallen Order, coming out. I'm starting to believe, now that the multiplayer team is doing Apex Legends, I now believe that that is a single-player-only game. And hmm. I'm not surprised. Hmm. That wouldn't make sense. So... So you have the multiplayer team who gets to do something. So what do they decide to do about a real game? Yeah, sure. They did a damn good job at it and did something else that nobody else did and made it good. And you take the you take the shooting system of Titanfall, which is fucking perfect, and put it into a battle royale game, you're in good shape. Like that game no shooter plays better than Titanfall does. So it makes sense to incorporate that those amazing mechanics into the most popular shooter genre right now. Yeah. It's a good move. It's making EA a lot of money in a time where uh, they're looking a little rough. Well, Battlefield 5's Battle Royale mode has gotten pushed yet again. By the time that thing comes out, uh, they're going to be completely washed out and nobody's going to play it. So Battlefield 5 is uh, not in good shape. I'm a Battlefield fan and I didn't purchase that game. Rip. Now, it's also because there's other releases during that time that I would rather play. Call but put out a good Battle Royale as well around the same time. Yeah, Blackout's before. very good. So I, I, I bought that. And normally when, when there's a Battlefield and Call of Duty coming out in the same year, I buy Battlefield. This time I bought Call of Duty because the Battle Royale mode was really good. Multiplayer's okay. Well, that's the main part of the multiplayer this time around. Right. That was their focus, for sure. And it's a smart move. Battle Royale's making a lot of money. They're very popular. Very good genre of shooter. So it's going to be a trend for a while. It's just like MOBAs, except at least it's been a lot more consistent. 
There have only been two good MOBAs. <laughs> Ever? Ever. Rip. Dota and League. And League was good for a while. Now I can't stand it. I can't stand MOBAs in general anymore, to be fair. But, so so far, for for what it's worth, the Battle Royale, Battle Royale as a genre has had a lot more success. Compared, yeah. to, to, compared to the big trendy thing like MOBA. Remember how many companies launched their own MOBA and it just failed mm-hmm. miserably? A hell of a lot. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing as many of those at Battle Royale, but there's still a lot. And, of course, you're going into a crowded market. You're not always going to do well. Look, look what Cliffy B did. With Radical Heights. Oof. That game was bad. Oof. That was a bad game. Oof. That's because it's actually kind of good shooter lawbreakers had nobody playing it. Because he Oof. released a hero shooter in Overwatch's peak. Oof. <laughs> yeah, he's just bad uh, at planning things, I guess. I don't know. When he did Gears of War, it dropped at the right time. And I, I don't know. We didn't, have any, we didn't have any like really good third-person shooters around that time. I guess Resident Evil 4, which heavily inspires... Gears of War. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but it, it kind of took it to the next logical stage. Yeah, which is just a... It was, it was an action shooter. It was a big bro movie in a, in a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess... And the more I think about it, the more that is a next logical stage from Resident Evil 4. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, is. I obviously prefer 4, because it has so much more character to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Resident Evil 4 is special. Never going to see that again. In, in more ways than one. It's my favorite game. Resident Evil 2 is also special, but in a very different way, in my opinion. Ooh, DLC for that came out. Yeah, I've I've tried one of them, and that's it. Yeah, it's fucking hard. Fuck it. It is really Ah, hard. Now, I've platted the game, and you know what? I'll tell you what, it wasn't easy, but I didn't necessarily feel like I couldn't do it. Can we real quick talk about... Oof. Did you play with the Polygon Leon? To finish oh, out yeah. the game. You can talk about how fucking hilarious that was. Beautiful. Oh my god. We did the same thing where our last playthroughs we played as the uh the PlayStation One style Leon costume. I'm probably gonna play as a PS one Claire at some point as well, because I think beyond doing the plat, I'm gonna hundred percent the game. Which yeah. is uh doing all the in game achievements and unlocking all that crap. I also wanna do this DLC, but like, I don't know, man, I might not be good enough. It's hard. It's really hard. It's basically like, you know, the hardest thing in the game, in my opinion, to get the plat isn't the hardcore playthrough and it isn't S-ranking the game. It's the hunk thing, in my opinion. That's fucking rough. And if you beat that, I guess you're, you kind of know what you're in for with the DLC. Because it's similar. Because it's stuff that's similar Maybe not as hard, but maybe just about. And they introduced new zombies, and they suck a fat one. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I played as the gun. St- I tried the one with the gun store guy, and uh, my boy Kendo. Yeah, he. Uh, That's the only one I have very... played so far as well. Did you beat it? No, yeah, I got neither. far. I think. I think I got close. But I did not beat it because it just keeps throwing more crap at you. I, oh I did not God. get very far. I only tried it like three times, but I got... After we record this, I'll show you okay. how far I got. We'll compare notes, Jazzbait. Well, I got to... I can tell you exactly where I went. I went to I got to the part where that liquor shows up. Oh, yeah. No, I've got way past that. Yeah, yeah. There's so much more after that. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, I know. And uh, I got fucked up. 
because I screwed... Like, there's an easy way to kill that liquor, and I fucked it up. The routes that you have to take are actually really interesting. Yeah? Yeah. Because uh, for Kendo, his is really strange, because you start at his gun store, have to go back into the parking garage, have to go back into the... Kind of like the, the machine area where you fought G1. Then you have to kind of work your way to the sewers from there. And then once you're in the sewers, you have to work your way, I think, to the cable car? But maybe not. I'm not entirely certain where you have to go because I haven't got there yet. Uh, the other ones I've seen people play them online. For the mayor's daughter, it's basically like, you know the route you take as Claire to get to the orphanage? Backwards. Oh, it's a you gotta orphanage. start at orphanage, work your way to the parking garage. It's hard's balls, uh, and then for not hunk, <laughs> the uh, forgotten soldier or whatever his name is. Yeah, he starts in the sewers, right? He is the uh, self destruct sequence in reverse. Oh, yeah, it's very weird. That's right. That's the guy who dies in the lab, right? Um. I believe so. That that corpse that's over there that has like that recording you pick up when you first. He's go at to least the big one of them because it's not clear which one he is. I'd like to think he's the spaz that accidentally shot Birkin, <laughs> but that's just <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, but I don't know. I still love this game, and like you know, as hard as it is, you can put a raccoon on your head. Yeah, that's dope, and, and that's just great. Uh, there's lots of unlockable little headgear. They're all good, great, uh, mostly assets from Resident Evil Two, but. Uh, there is a molded head I saw. I'm very excited to get that one. That's cool. That's a nice little piece of free content. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, also, I won't spoil what it is here in case you lads want to do it, but you unlock a fourth one if you beat all three. Oh, shit. And it's hard as balls. It's like, probably I can't do it hard. But, uh, Tofu 2. No. Tofu. No. I, I don't even want to tell you what it is because it's a fun little thing you unlock. No, I'll figure it out. Uh... Yeah, I, I feel confident that I'll be able to beat them. It's just going to be a lot of trial and error. I want to eventually beat Tofu because you unlock other Tofus to play as, and I need that in my life because that sounds fun. Right. But beating Tofu is so fucking hard. Oh, my God. Dude, I tried it about five times, and I died very early every single time. Knives. I got to the police station, but I didn't get much I further. died in the sewers every single time. Yeah, well, I mean, I got to the police station with red health and five knives, so I wasn't lasting much longer. But I'm going to keep trying because I like this game a lot. Who cares? You don't have much left to do. You don't have much left to do past that. Once you get into the police station, all you have to do is get to the fire escape, go out out that little fence. Yeah, but you have to go through several of the most dangerous areas in the entire run. Right. So fuck that. Like the area right before you finish where there's a literal pile of zombies and you have no grenades. You have just knives. So is there anything literally else you want to talk about before we get to our main... Uh, beginning of a new season of Gen and Jub movie time times. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Oh, uh, I guess I can mention one more thing real quick. We talked a lot about video games today. Not much else. Uh, um, the Metro Exodus hit, and well, that's a video game, right? And yeah, I, I thought you were setting it up to not talk. No, about I was setting it up to just talk about another video game because I have nothing else going on in my life right now. Video games. I want to play it, but. I don't want to pay for it, and reason being, I'm I'm a I'm a big Metro fan. I loved, I loved both games, 
that came out last gen. I thought they were fantastic. And this new one comes out. When it first gets announced, I'm hype as shit. Not realizing what the implications of what that is. I'm just excited for another Metro game. Mm-hmm. And my brother tells me, because I didn't pay attention to it after that. I was like, oh, cool, new Metro game. I'm going to get it. And then my brother lets me know that uh, it's... Hey, hey we're going to open a brisk in the mic. Let's do it. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just preed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talk about Metro. He informs me that that game is a lot more big and open compared to the other two. And I instantly get disappointed. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't think that because all the trailers suggested that to me. Because you're getting out of the Metro. Yeah, but I figured that wouldn't be like... I figured it would be more linear within that still. Maybe like a Half-Life 2 compared to Half-Life 1 kind of deal. Right, and people still kind of give it that comparison because it's still not entirely an open-world game. Okay. But I'm just kind of worried, and I don't want to drop 60 on it. So if somebody wants to send me a Metro X to this code, like, I'm in, you know? No one's going to do that. Help me out. No one's going to do that. Help a boy out, man. I recommend you don't do that, actually, because that's expensive. Don't give Josby your money. It's stupid. No, not, like, just the code. Like, if somebody's getting a code... if somebody gets a code from somebody else, and they have it already, just hand it to me. Because I want to know what the game's like. You fucking whore. Stop. But I don't want to spend $60. Okay. Maybe I will go up to my local video store and rent it. Oh my god. Is it 1998? They still do it. (laughs) Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll go up to my local video store and rent it. If I'm allowed back there, I don't know uh, what kind of expired shit I got going on there. Maybe your records get expunged, like uh, how the library works. Maybe I hope so. Or you I mean, just start a new I, account and pretend now it exists. Now, I personally have never turned at anything really late there, but I know my parents have, and I think the last time I went there and tried to rent something, they were like, "Well, it's acting weird because you all have the same last name." And I'm like, "That's not fair." Like, don't don't persecute me for my parents' sins, my guy. Yeah, dude. If my name's Trump, don't judge me. Right. Like, don't do that to me, man. That's not fair. Anywho. Fuck you, family Shut video. the fuck up, Justin. Oh, my God. It's Let's... time. Okay. Genin Job Season 4. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. What is it? Would it be? We did Halloween. We did Rocky. We did Matrix. Now it's time for two franchises for the price of one. It's Alien. It's Predator. It's They Fight. I guess that's a third franchise in and of itself. Right. Three different Wikipedia listings for all these franchises, at least. There's the Alien franchise, there's the Predator franchise, and then there's the AVP franchise, which I guess is separate. Separate universe, too, because, you know. There's one good thing to come out of AVP, and it's not either of the movies. Oh, it's, no, it is not. But we'll get to that eventually. It's AVP Gold, a video game for the PC. Well, I thought it was going to be uh, fucking uh, Colonial Marines. Which, by the way, is where that concept came from. That happened before any of the movies happened. Yeah. And that game was sick. I thought the comics came first, actually. Yeah, but the, yeah. the games were, like, super pop. The game was super popular. I read a terrible comic back in the day that was, uh, I shit you not, Alien versus Predator versus Batman versus Superman. And that sounds like combining too many bad things at once. <laughs> but but not but not the Zack Snyder film, but just literally the characters. Uh, they didn't fight. It was it was actually very confusing because like as far as I know, Predator's bad guys, right? Right. So the plot of this comic was Superman and Batman 
trying to save this planet of native predators because they were going to get, you know, global extinct event from aliens. But, like, I'm like, but predators not very sympathetic because they just kill people. They, there's rules and things that makes it interesting, but, like, it was very hard for me to feel like this was a legitimate story. It felt like someone didn't really understand what they were fucking writing. Right, because, like, well, the, the, the predator's ideal is to hunt and the alien's ideal is to survive. And that's what's interesting about their dynamic is the predators are supposed to hunt the aliens. Yeah. I gotta read more, uh... They're the ultimate. They're the ultimate hunt. More alien shit. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things that they've ever been used, like in comics, they've ever been used for is a uh, Warren Ellis, being the madman that he is, uh, decided to uh, do a crossover with uh, this one comic. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. It eventually becomes the Authority, and he gets to introduce his characters, uh, Midnighter. And uh, I think Apollo is his name. I don't know. Apollo and Midnighter, I think. All of Warren Ellis' superhero archetype characters that are fucked up. But uh, in order to do that, he has to kill off the initial team. And he does that by just doing a crossover with aliens, and then just aliens just kill everybody. (laughs) And that's canon. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. Uh, I gotta read that shit. There's also one where there's a cyborg alien who smokes cigarettes and calls somebody a son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll, uh, oh my God. If I remember correctly, we never remember to post on the Twitter, Justin. I expected that you would take control of the Twitter because I do the rest of the work. I, I'm specifically referencing when you said you'd put that Spider-Man DVD up. Oh, yeah, well, the, all right, so quick update on why that's not happening. Um, it's at my brother's house. He has control of it's that ancient relic. It's not the Ganon Joshua, I guess. Right, so I just got to go over there and take a picture of it, and I promise I will do it tomorrow. Okay, I promise I will upload tomorrow this picture of this alien smoking a cigarette in comics, because it's important for you to see it. Yeah, post that with the link to the episode. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, it's time for alien. <laughs> I should probably do that more often. Find a funny picture of uh, and yeah, and then like our, what we're talking about the day. Yeah, and then just throw it up with a link to the episode. So anyway, just to uh, you know, to get out of this dumb intro segment, where we're avoiding talking about a good movie for some reason. Uh, just to clarify what we're doing, we're watching Alien and Predators, the complete franchise of both in release order, meaning that we're gonna go Alien, Aliens, Predator, Predator Two. Alien Cubed, Alien Resurrection, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, Predators, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, and then last year's The Predator. Which, uh, God, there's only like one number in this entire string of sequels. That sucks dick. Yeah. (laughs) Well, two. I don't know if I should count Predator Cubed. I'm sorry, Alien Cubed. There better never be a Predator Cubed, I swear to God. Don't confuse me further. <sighs> it's bad enough that there's one called Predator, and one called Predators, and one called The Predator. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. What are you talking about? Uh, all right. I- I'm curious to see, and, and I'm willing, I, I want to make a bet. Which franchise will have more films in the top half, Alien or Predator? Uh, I'm going to assume Alien. Okay. Just because, first of all, we're probably going to have what's the number one and the number right two. And right. then that's next week. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I'm willing to call that early. Alien and Aliens are better than anything else. 
But I'm just specifically talking about top half. I think Predator takes that one. Yeah, I gotta think about this now. Alien Alien Cubed is not a good movie. See, I've never seen Alien Cubed. I'm very curious to see it. It's it's not great. It's okay. I've somehow not seen that one, but seen Resurrection. It's okay. Resurrection is much worse. Oh, no shit, but it's funny as balls. I can't oh, yeah, wait yeah. for that movie. Uh, and that might score higher because of our enjoyment value of how dumb it is. Now, we'll see. Predator gets really bad. Oh, I know. Like, after Predator 2, it's just a shit franchise. It's just shit. Oh, I know. Like, irredeemable, unfunny shit, for the most part. Predators? Really funny, though. I don't know about The Predator. Apparently, it's just not good. <laughs> I've heard. So, so this is going to be a ride and a half, I think. It um, might split evenly, because there might, might just be half-half and then an AVP plugged yeah. in there. So, I'm willing to bet, right now, top movie Alien... Bottom movie, Alien vs. Predator, Requiem. I could see that. I could see that for sure. Now, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Saw it when it came out in the theater. And I don't know. I feel like some days I could rank Aliens or even Predator above Alien. But I don't think I'm going to. I think Alien nah. deserves that spot. I think, and we'll talk about why. Yeah. Uh, I guess we just get into it. Alien is a perfect film. Yeah, probably. It might be the best movie we've uh, watched for this program. I think <laughs> so, so far. Now, there's lots of heavy hitters there. Halloween, Rocky, The Matrix Revolutions. But to oh. be fair... <laughs> but to be fair, I think Alien has the case for being the best out of any of those. Yeah. Now, my sure. favorite is The Matrix. But... But that's wrong. My personal... For best of the... <laughs> right. I'm a personal favorite. The best, though, I don't think there's a contest or any kind of dispute that it's Alien. Yeah, it's just, it's a classic. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I do think that it's interesting that we're talking about it because we started this show off with Halloween. Uh, because it's the same movie. But yeah. in space. <laughs> also, when did uh, Halloween come out? Uh, 70... 77. Or okay. 78. And then Alien no, came 78. out... Alien 79. So, I I think that, like, you know, don't quote me here, but I think if we had to go back and look at the studio pitch, this doesn't sound right, but they probably pitched it as Star Wars meets Halloween, which doesn't really sound like Alien in your head, but that might have been without anything else to reference. <laughs> Oh my how God. they probably pitched it back then just just to compare it to popular things at the time because it's very possible that if star wars and halloween did not exist alien would not get made i can see that particularly yeah. at least star wars because fox make made both and i doubt they would have okayed an expensive science fiction production if it was not for the fact that star wars came out two years prior and blew the fuck out of the box office right. and became the most profitable franchise in movie history, most likely. Uh, maybe at least for the time. Right. Now it's probably Marvel. It's, it's Marvel. definitely Marvel. I assume it's Marvel, but Star Wars still has a lot of time <laughs> and, and a lot of movies coming out still. Uh, yeah, people are getting less interested, whereas the hype for Marvel has... Basically, climax. Yeah, it now. keeps ballooning. 
I don't think it goes, just quick aside, I don't think it goes any higher than this. I think it starts going down. That is very likely, but that's a completely other discussion. Right. Than uh, Alien. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, from, from what I can gather here, uh, just looking at the Wikipedia perusing, because I don't know a whole lot about the way this movie was made. Because I like this movie so much that I almost don't want to know. Now, I love movies, and I love going into the history of making them and, and behind-the-scenes shit. But Alien, like, except for maybe, like, five or six shots, holds up extremely well. Effects-wise. And just everything-wise. Everything, like, you just completely feel like you in space, you on ship, Alien real. And you hopeless. Most of the whole movie. Yeah, in space, no one can hear you scream. The tagline on the iconic poster, probably one of the best posters ever made. Yeah. For a movie. But, like, from what I can gather, this is one, this is like Ridley Scott's breakout movie. Yes. Uh, he did a movie called The Duelists, which I've never seen and don't know anything about. Uh, but he gets this movie and he jumps to the chance to helm this although he doesn't initially write the script but he does a lot of work afterwards he storyboards the whole thing and he even uh delivers to the cast members uh detailed extended past histories that do not come up in the movie but just so they can understand their character and all their motivations which is really cool that's neat okay i don't think he does that anymore (laughs) no probably not uh if you didn't know ridley scott is a psychopath if you didn't know yeah just look up, uh, I don't know, go to Google, type in Ridley Scott, Beavis and Butthead, and read that quote, and that's a good time. I don't know about this. You don't know about this? Hold on. Uh, I'll look it up. You read it for me while I talk about some alien. Great, 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 great acting in this movie. I think it's just, you know, for what it is... It's it's really way better than most slasher movies because Alien's a slasher movie. It's science fiction, but it's a slasher movie in space. Usually those don't have great actors and great acting, but you got Sigourney Weaver in her breakout role. Not the first movie she's in. I think you said what that was earlier, Annie Hall. And But this is her first starring role, and she steals it. She's really fucking excellent. But you also got, you know... Harry Dean Stanton and John Hurt and just everybody does a really great job. But the real reason that everybody talks about Alien is probably just the visual effects and the way that everything comes together on that level. Visual effects, sound design, score. Everything just comes together to make the movie as ambient and creepy as possible. And the alien itself is probably, like, my favorite, like, creature design ever for a movie. Probably ever. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to guess. Predator's up there as well. I really like how Predator works, looks. But, uh, less, like, imaginative. Because Predator's, like, a buff guy with dreads at the end of the day. All right. All I I can see is, uh... Are you not finding it? No. Uh, see, like, let me see if this is right. So, I love Beavis and Butthead. So, what should follow that is, duh. 
I don't understand what that means. Let me, I, I will look it up. You talk about some alien. I know what I'm looking up here. This is about, this is Ridley Scott talking about uh, the controversial subject of whether Deckard from Blade Runner yeah. is a replicant or not. Right. And it is a quote that does not really make any sense. Okay, now I had that quote pulled up. Yeah. I could pull it back up real quick. So, I, I guess I could just read the full thing for you. Let's see here. Here it is. Oh, quote. Oh, it was always my thesis theory. You got it. Harrison Ford, he was never... I don't remember, actually. I think Harrison was going, uh, I don't know about that, I said. But you have to be, because Gaff, who leaves a trail of origami everywhere, will leave you a little piece of origami at the end of the movie to say, I've been here, I left her alive, and I can't resist letting you know what's in your most private thoughts when you get drunk is a fucking unicorn. Right? So I love Beavis and Butthead, so what should follow that is, duh. What? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. He is an insane person. That's a non-sequitur and a half. I don't understand what he's talking about. Me That's neither. a very controversial thing. And, and this will probably segue into later discussions of these movies as well. Because Ridley Scott is a very precise but factory design kind of movie maker. At least now. Like, assembly line... <laughs> As quick as possible, as cheap as possible, we pumped a movie out. It's like a system. At least it seems that way from everything that happens with this man. So, given that, do I trust him to come up with great plots anymore? No. No. So do I trust him to tell me whether Deckard is a replicant or not? No. No. I mean... Real quick, mm-hmm. I love Blade Runner, so I, I could talk about this real quick. This is a quick, another little quick aside, because we're not talking about Alien today. It's um, bonus Ganon Jub. We talk about Blade Runner. Break the Blade Runner movies, Jusby. Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> oh, good. You did it. Hey, guess what? Deckard's not a replicant. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's it. That's all. No, that's, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Ridley Scott. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Not what the even if you're the creator of something, that doesn't always mean you have good ideas for what actually happens. Go read in uh, your canon. go read the book. Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. <laughs> go read that. Let me know if Deckard's a replicant. You know, all you gotta do is look at <laughs> all you gotta do is look at the special editions of Star Wars to know that sometimes the creator of something isn't always the best authority on the subject. No. Because sometimes they come up with stupid shit. Now, Ridley just Scott like... does that. and uh, But, you know, so his alien sequels don't really jive with the original very well. No. Not at all. And I feel like if they make a second, a third one or a TV series, as is the rumor right now, uh, it will just get worse. And I have a feeling he's going to wrap Sigourney Weaver back up into it, too. Because, you know, hey, speaking of Halloween... It proved successful to bring Jamie Lee Curtis back to the horror franchise. I could see Ridley Scott with his paint-by-numbers philosophy <laughs> bringing back Sigourney <laughs> Weaver for a final Alien movie, you know what I mean? I could see right. it happening. It's almost like it's already happened. It's almost like 
it's been written. (laughs) (laughs) But fuck all that. Speaking of Sigourney Weaver, uh, this is her first lead role. I already Um, said this while you were looking at shit. Yeah, but... You fucking mongo. God damn, is she amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I was saying that. She's great. Like, just the, the subtlety of emotion, like, that she shows throughout all the times in the movie where she's just getting fucking fed up with everything that this crew is doing is just so good to watch. I like, uh, how evident it is that if they just listened to her earlier in the movie, none of this would have happened. Right. Because she's like, no, I'm not letting that dude back on the ship. He fucking infected. And we're not supposed to fucking do that. But then they let him in. Oops. That's because whole time, Robot Man, (laughs) Robot Man, going like, give me an alien. Yeah. So the basic plot of Alien, if you live under a rock and don't know and haven't seen, uh, I don't know, anything that parodies it because everything has parodied it. Uh, Alien is a movie by Alien. Uh, (laughs) This spaceship crew. Uh, Answer A, what they think is a distress signal, but it's not. It's a warning. And it's some other alien infected with Alien from Alien. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) So they go in and they're like, what egg? And then egg go like, and then attack guy and then hug his face real nice. Real snug. And they're like, like a warm blanket. They're like, fuck, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> Let's find out and cut the thing on his face and see what happened. And then like it bleed acid. And they're like, that's not normal. Now we know. <laughs> yeah. Now we know it's. It's not normal now. It wasn't normal before where there was just a thing hung in his face like a warm blanket. It just progressively builds and gets worse, the situation, over time. Like, in small ways at first, like that. But then in big ways, like, oh, the alien is on the fucking escape pod and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it progresses like, okay, well, there's, there's, a, there's a huggy facey on this guy. It's hugging his face. Yep. And then it get off his face and it dead. And they're like... Oh, thank God. That's fucking crazy. And then he is, like, normal. And they're like, well, I guess the thing that hugged his face and made him unconscious for hours did nothing. And he's fine. He just wants to eat a big old egg salad. So they eating, and then he like, oh, shit. And then he like, ow, my stomach. And they like, what the fuck? And then the thing pop out his chest. In one of the coolest scenes ever, by ever. the way. Yeah. Uh, interesting fact about that scene. Uh, I'm pretty sure... They had a vague idea of certain things that were going to happen, but I don't think Ridley Scott told anybody specifically what the effect was going to be. Oh, really? Uh, Because you can tell everyone is really fucking surprised when Chessburster comes out, except for Android Man. He did not tell that guy. Oh, he did tell that guy, because that guy already knows. Right, he's supposed to know. Because he's supposed to, canonically. He didn't tell anybody else. So that their reaction to the chestburster effect, and it's a good effect, was genuine. And that's a good move. That's lit. That's some good shit. Man, why really Scott put this kind of passion in any other movie? Well, because, you know, I like Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, duh. (laughs) Uh, So, like, after that, uh, they like, that fucking blows. (laughs) 
Now there's a little alien boy running around the ship. They're like, we gotta go find him and kill the fuck out of that thing, because holy fuck. And then they like, we found him. Ah, it's Cat, actually. Horror trope. This is a horror movie. It's a slasher movie. Yeah, actually. Uh, there's even a cat jump scare <laughs> at multiple times. <laughs> uh, so, you know, obviously, then it since it's a slasher movie, it begins progressing like one. Where the alien begins to uh, kill our crew left and right, one by one. And it grew big, big boy. Big oh, boy. it becomes a big old sleek... A big head thing. Motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfucker. It big boy. And it killed everybody. You know what's really fascinating about this movie? Hmm. Not once. Everything looks like a vagina. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. H.R. Geiger. Look it up, folks. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know what this ship should look like? Vaguna. <laughs> Vaguna. You know what the alien should do? Have like a little vagina mouth inside his mouth. It did look very, uh, very vaginal. Yeah, I don't know what what if that's like on purpose. It probably to a certain degree because the way that it, the alien reproduces is strange. Right. So, but anyway, say what you were actually going to say. You think about it, like talking about slasher movie tropes and stuff like that. Yeah. Not once. Did the alien actually attack Ripley? Uh, it tried to at the end. But no, it didn't. Not once. And, like, you, you see in a lot of the, uh, like, Halloween that preceded it. Yeah. Well, I think you can attribute that to, like, this is still a prototype of its genre. If we're if the genre we're talking about is slasher. Right. Uh, as was Halloween. You combine both of these movies into a stew, and you get the basic bricks for the formula that uh everyone will copy for years to come right but yeah it's really fascinating like it you think about it it only looks at her once before the last scene of the movie yeah she only ever sees it herself once well i think that really that ups last scene. the scariness of it because yeah, everyone else it actually interacts with it kills and very easily so, if it did interact with Ridley Moore, Ripley, sorry, it's Ridley Scott, <laughs> not, okay, anyway, if it did interact with her more, she'd be fucking dead, Right is the implication I feel from that. Yeah, and that makes it so much scarier, because it's like, the, you know, as much as I love Michael Myers, he's just a dude with a knife, he might be invincible, but like, Alien is much faster <laughs> and much creepier, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's where you have like the difference of the kind of fear that that Halloween and Alien brings. It's that's a, a cool thing to talk about since you've watched both these movies on the show. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the key difference is Halloween likes to prey on familiarity and yeah, and humanity. Yeah, and then this really likes to play with the unknown because we're in a very unfamiliar locale, so things just look creepy, even though it's like normal to everybody else in the movie. Right to us, the audience, and. Both work really well at what they're trying to do. Oh, they succeed tremendously. Uh, especially Aliens part. I mean, I think both Halloween and Alien are damn near perfect movies. Yeah. Uh, in different ways. Uh, I prefer Alien to Halloween. But I'm also uh, 
more into sci-fi than I am just like regular genre horror. I love both, but I think I'm more into horror. And I think I'm more into the Halloween feels like it could happen aspect of it. Yeah, that that's that's the big which, part which that... Play, which plays into my favorite horror movie of all time, being Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, predates both of these movies, and also is a big uh, inspiration for horror as a whole. Right. I guess that's where a lot of the tropes come from as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not, not as many people talk about it, but goddamn is that movie important. It's fucked up. As far as horror goes. But Alien... Uh, is really, really fascinating in how it accomplishes its horror in the atmosphere, in, you know, the, un- the we talk about the unknown. Yeah. The, uh, the, at first, wide open space. Yeah. That turns into really enclosed, claustrophobic space at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, when it's just Ripley left and she's ready to blow the ship up. And she's running away, and she's just running through these very tight, small corridors. The the rest of the movie, and it is terrifying. How just utterly claustrophobic it is. How well it's shot. Yeah. Um, and it it really creates that fear that around any corner, right behind you, there it is. Mm-hmm. And they do that a lot. Yeah. Or at least a couple times. Uh, I think my favorite part with the alien is when the captain is in the vents. Oh yeah, and it just uh, we'll talk it about just pans over and the alien's there and it does jazz hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he die. Yeah, I'm talking about claustrophobic. Huh. Oh yeah. Oh fuck that shit. Crawling around in vents and that thing's in there with you. Holy shit. Yeah, and these uh. And you could tell, like, well, all these crew members besides Robot Man experience, like, true fear and react to it in their own ways. Yeah. And it's very fascinating. Uh, I love Ash. Oh, yeah. He's a great villain. In many ways, he's more the villain than the alien. I think so, yeah. Uh, I, I forgot how effective the review... Because, like, obviously I've seen Alien multiple times. So I know he's a robot even before we get there. But I forgot how well-designed the reveal of him being a robot is. Because it's so out of left field if you're not expecting it. Yeah. Because this is the first time you're in this universe in 1979. So you don't know that they have, they have robot people. Yeah, they don't mention don't it once. All. They don't mention it once. So how are you supposed to know that? And then, lo and behold, there he is. And it works uh, really well. Just the slow realization that uh, he's been kind of fucking them over this whole time. Yep, his whole objective was just to make that alien come in and fuck everybody up. So, realistically, if you think about it, the alien is just the murder weapon. Yeah. He is Michael Myers, and he's using the alien as the knife. Right. I guess. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh. Or maybe it's more like a, not necessarily literally like a Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, but like, you know, using something to further your gains for evil, I guess. Or maybe you can't control it quite as well as you'd hope. Well, he wants the alien. That's his thing. That's explored more later. Right. Yeah, we figure out a little bit more about that in subsequent movies. Uh, Uh, Way, way, way further down the line. (laughs) Yeah, it it doesn't get anywhere near as deep as that. I think Prometheus, right? Uh, yeah. 
well, we get another Android character who is probably the best part. Of oh, yeah, then, yeah, and the rest of the movie's almost utter nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Ian Holm plays Ash. He's great, especially because, like, he does not play it like he's trying to be robotic. Yeah. And that's why it works so well, the twist, is that he's not, he's so advanced that he acts like a human. Maybe like a studious, uptight human, but that's all you think. You think he's like overly cares about scientific work and maybe is a little cold and distant. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think it ever crosses your mind unless you know ahead of time that he's a robot. So when he starts leaking milk everywhere, it's a little strange. And it works really well and it's a great creepy visual. There is a couple scenes where like you can tell that it's just a dummy head. Oh, yeah, yeah. When and they, then when it cuts the to his actual head, and it's, yeah. like, so obvious. Yeah, when they use the head uh, on the table, when they bring him back to ask him questions, it makes, like, a hard cut, and it is a hard cut. Mm-hmm. And you, it is very noticeable. But that's one of the only few, like, I guess, technically mismanaged effects in the movie. But I don't know what your options are. And one of the only really mismanaged ones. Yeah, I don't know what your, what your actual options are at that time, though. Like... You think about it, effects have gone a long way, and that was very practical mm-hmm. and very hard to do. So, I mean, still props to whoever handled the special effects in that movie. They did an excellent job. The set design is immaculate. It's fucking insane how immaculate it is. Especially because it's probably made out of McDonald's boxes and other crap they had lying around. But they make right. it look like a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so, it's so good. Uh, there's a reason this won the Academy Award for... Uh, Visual effects. Oh, it deserved it that yeah, year. Holy for fuck! Sure. Deserve that any year. Like this is such a well, mm-hmm. well done. And then this movies like this go on to like influence stuff like Evil Dead, where you do take like a similar principle to practical effects. Yeah, that 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 may be in more of a gore sense, <laughs> but uh, this doesn't have a whole lot of gore in it. It's not a very gory movie. No, not at all. And again. Similar to Halloween. You don't need it. No, you don't. You hear me, Rob Zombie? You don't need it. Actually make the movie scary instead. Gore is effective. We talked about this before, but gore is effective when it's over the top. I and would agree. Like, but like in a sarcastic way, not in a, like, it shouldn't be trying to, gore should not be trying to scare you. Because gore is not scary. It could creep you out. It could, like, make you queasy. Like, Resident Evil 2 is really good at doing that a lot. Right. But that's not... It can't be used as, like, a vehicle. And that's what Rob Zombie does. Yeah. It's not a vehicle. It's it's just a supplementary, like, addition. If you're gonna go full grindhouse, there should be more wink-wink, nudge-nudge with it. Right. Uh, that's sure. something that the movie, like, Evil Dead accomplishes so well. Yeah. That the, the moments of gore in that movie are so fucking over the top and ridiculous that it adds to, like, the enjoyment of the film rather than make you, like... Right. Just queasy and, like, uncomfortable. There's very little blood in any of these classic horror movies we mentioned. Halloween, Alien, Texas Chainsaw. Right. Texas Chainsaw doesn't even have that much blood in it. Not really. Uh, That's because I think it's scarier to not see it. Like, when the alien eats Dallas, you don't see him do it. You don't see him kill him. It cuts away. I think that's creepier. 
think it's creepier to see everybody else's reactions to what's happening because they can't see what's happening directly in front of them. And that shit's cool. You can have some cool, creepy, gory visuals, and there are some down the line in this series, but if you're going for pure horror, you don't need it. No. Like I said, it's supplemental, and uh, when it goes beyond just a supplemental thing is when it gets really stupid. Mm-hmm. As we've discussed before. So, I think the end of this movie, where it becomes just about Ripley, is probably the best part. Oh, 100%. The last, I want to say, 20 minutes or so. I absolutely agree. Because it's just so fucking, like... It's terrifying. Ball clenching. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking terrifying. This movie scared the piss out of me when I was younger. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I was, like, God... And, like, I was such a big sci-fi fan growing up, too, and, like, I, I hadn't seen Alien yet, and my parents were like, yeah, I think you're ready to see Alien. And, uh, and they showed it to me, and, God, I was so fucking terrified. I think I had a very similar experience to you, actually. Because I, I grew up loving, like, Star Wars and Star Trek, and, like, I was such a big... But, like, I was... When I grew up, I liked Star Trek more because I was more into sci-fi rather than fantasy, and Star Wars, as, as people have probably said multiple times, is a fantasy, not science fiction. Mm-hmm. Alien is very science fiction, where yeah, the, there's a big importance in the technology in that film. Yeah, and there's for an sure. emphasis on it. You have you have the uh, you have that the AI on the on the ship mother is very important to the crew. You have all the technology that they use to. You know, like amplify the research and everything that they're doing with the ship. The revelation of highly advanced robotics because you have Ash, right? Who and that is all such advanced AI that you don't know he's a robot. And those are important points of the movie. Where something like Star Wars becomes fantasy is where those are just a backdrop. Yeah, really, because yeah, there's this big military industrial complex in space with a giant space station that can blow shit up, but it's defeated by magic basically right. so yeah it's just a, that it's, plays it's a into it being more about like i guess in a way wizards and knights if you think about it that way yeah uh it's like a D D campaign <laughs> there's you're kind of like a young apprentice wizard and there's uh the big evil wizard but then maybe bond it behind him there's an even bigger evil wizard <laughs> yeah even like something like the matrix is technically science fiction as well well, it's obviously science fiction, yeah. Yeah, not, not a lot of people think of it that way. But it, it very much is. People just say it's an action movie. Like, no, it's also very science it's, fiction. Yeah. Because it goes into the semantics of A lot more than I would care for in some respects. Right. Like info dumps. Well, like the first There's Matrix no info dump in Alien. No, because it all shows it it's to you. It's all subtle, and it doesn't answer everything for you. It doesn't need to. Nope. And uh, that's what's so great about it. Like you could tell that like this movie cares about the science because, I mean, like even like the early shots of the movie where it's showing all of the technology first. I absolutely and... love that you have no idea where the aliens from. Yeah, they just find another ship with a different alien. That I assume, I guess, is the fucking big buff blue guys from Prometheus. It is. But whatever. That doesn't matter now. What matters is it's a different alien who got fucked over by it. And that, other than that, you don't have any explanation for where the fuck these came from. 
until you get to bad movies. Man, it's the same race of people. It's the same fucking kind of ship in Prometheus. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing. Or the Predators made them. Woo! <sighs> I hate that explanation so much. It really undermines aliens a lot. Yeah, it really does. As a creature, as a species. You were made to be hunted. <laughs> I don't mind so much when they, uh, you know, spoilers, uh, go into, like, the creation of them from uh, David. Because he's an android trying to create a perfect organism. And that actually kind of lines up well with the first alien. Yeah, that's, that's fine. that's how Ash refers to them as. He, for some reason, views them as a perfect organism because they're emotionless and good at killing shit, I guess. They're, they're flawless at survival. Yes. That's, that's what makes them a perfect organism. They can adapt to anything, and they can survive through pretty much anything besides getting uh, thrown out through an airlock and flamed. Well, I mean, what can you do? against that really you know what's really funny and it's something I want you to think about here remember they talk about man like most you know it must not like fire you know most animals don't like fire you know that they don't hit it with the flamethrower gun once yeah they don't succeed no not once no the only time it gets hit by flame is the very end of the movie when it gets hit by a jet booster well that maybe is more about the propulsion of it than anything else yeah did you notice that it doesn't like didn't char its body it just pushed it i don't know if this really means it's canon or not but if if you play alien isolation uh flamethrower don't kill that thing nope it damages it and then it fucks off but then next time it learned nash is cool we should play that game before we finish this i'm totally done i haven't still haven't played it i have it so we can play it Hell yeah. Uh, it's really fucking hard. I got stuck and then haven't played since. <laughs> we'll start it over from the beginning and we'll play it again. That That is probably the best video game about aliens, if I had to guess. AVP Gold. Well, that's about Alien vs. Predator. I'm talking right. specifically Alien. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, because it handles the tone and the setting and the feeling really well and really similarly to Alien, which is what I want it to do. Uh, I don't know. There's not much else I could say about it. Is it then on a then? Go see it if you live under a rock and you haven't seen Alien yet. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect science fiction movie. It's a perfect horror movie. And you know what? It's one that probably shouldn't be able to be topped or at least matched. But, different kind of movie. But next week, something very close in terms of quality. Aliens. From another legendary uh, insane person director. (laughs) James Cam Cam. James Cameron. Yeah. Um. <laughs> another insane person, for sure. But you know, as the great Kanye West once said, <laughs> "Better make this good. I'm ending the show." Name on this. one genius that ain't crazy. <laughs> In reference to himself, which yeah, that makes sense. So next week, aliens. Bye, lads.